New on CuriosityStream, Darwin's theory of evolution, a scientific breakthrough, but 1920s Tennessee wasn't ready for it. It became the Bible versus evolution. Followed a heated trial that changed American education forever on Monkey in the Middle. And it's the country's deadliest highway. There were something like 178 accidents in a 10-year period. Don't miss the most dangerous road in America. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. This took place maybe around the age of 13. Let me set the scene. I had my first serious boyfriend, Sam. Sam was a nerdy kind of guy. We had met at church. When he asked me out, I was over the moon, as another girl had been talking to him at the same time. I was flattered he had chosen me. At the point in time this story takes place, I was having a lot of issues at home. I had attempted to take my life during my relationship, and had a lot of issues with self-harm. My relationship with my parents was terrible, still is. That probably explains why I never told them any of this. Besides my personal problems, I'd say the relationship was running smoothly, until Sam came into contact with Allison. I don't recall exactly when or where Sam met Allison. I believe it was at his air cadets. It's almost like she just appeared. Whenever Sam and I were going through a rough patch, he would talk to Allison, and she would console him. It made me really uncomfortable at the time, being a jealous 13-year-old. Our key communication was over Skype, and he lived a good 40 minutes away from me. On average, I saw him twice a week. Once on a Saturday, in which I would catch two buses to his home. The second being at church on a Sunday. He would often tell me stories about his long conversations with Allison. How she was hilarious, but she didn't like me, although I had never spoken to her myself. I assume this was due to him mainly speaking to her during our childish arguments. I first came into contact with Allison during an argument with Sam. We were bickering about something unimportant, and a message popped up on my Skype. It was from Allison. I don't recall what exactly the message said, as this was in 2014, but I tried to gain access to my old Skype to go through the messages but have not been able to. But I do remember her insulting me repeatedly and saying I didn't deserve Sam and I should have died. In regards to my suicide attempt, I responded harshly and told her to F off or something of the sorts. Was it polite? No. I was extremely standoffish at this age. My response seemed to anger her. I was bombarded with call after call. I declined every single one. I reported to Sam what had gone on, and he said he had told her to leave me alone. It was good for a while. This didn't affect me too much. This was semi-normal for me, as high school relationship drama was almost an everyday occurrence at my school. Looking back on it, Sam was almost definitely cheating on me, but I was too naive and in childish love to care. My second incident with Allison was on a summer afternoon. I was relaxing on Sam's bed after an afternoon of messing around. He had gone to complete a chore in the kitchen and had left his computer open. I decided to check my Facebook and went to log in. On the screen was a chat with Allison. Being curious, I scrolled through the chat. I was greeted with an onslaught of naked images of her. This started a huge fight as you can imagine. Sam said that she was just a jealous stalker girl. My third interaction with Allison was at my local library. Allison must have been 16 as she was completing some work experience at the time. 
I have and still am an avid book reader. I was there with my mother and sister when I saw her at the counter. She stared me down and it took me aback as I didn't recognize her to begin with. It then clicked. I was more annoyed than anything. I didn't pick up a book, instead opting to hang around my sister as she checked some books. Allison's eyes never left me. The time came to leave as Mum was renting the books, as she made small talk with Allison. I was surprised at how polite and well-mannered she was in comparison to the girl who had messaged me. I began to feel guilty for the way I had responded to her. Once at home, I hopped on my phone and wrote a message to her, apologizing for the way I had spoken to her. The message I received back from her was a different tone altogether, that I was a fat bitch, I had no right to date Sam, and all I brought him was misery. This time, her words really did affect me. I called Sam and begged him to never contact her again. I remember vividly sobbing and crying for hours. This happened a couple more times, each time escalating in severity. Threats to beat my lights out were sent. My mental health was greatly affected. I wasn't afraid of her, more upset at the things she said. I never took a single threat seriously. To this day, I have no idea why Sam stayed in contact with her. I began to avoid the library. My relationship with Sam continued. On one day, I got into a large argument with my mother and called Sam, sobbing. He consoled me and told me it was going to be alright. Impulsively, I decided to go for a run, leaving my phone at home. I wanted to be out of the home. I was gone for maybe an hour or two. I returned home to an onslaught of messages from Sam, deeply concerned for my well-being. I apologized and explained the situation. I reminded her this entire time I had not blocked Allison. She messaged me with the usual drivel. I was so used to her threats at this point, it hardly phased me. The same threat happened again. I'll beat your lights out. Calling her bluff, I replied. Go on then. You don't even know where I live. She replied with my address. My heart skipped a beat. All the threats of violence were all too real now. I remember shaking uncontrollably. I sobbed on the phone to Sam. I begged him to block her and never speak to her again. He continued to speak to her. I never did. New girls appeared in her place, but none were as invasive as her. We ended the relationship after a year and a bit. In one of the messages I sent to him regarding our breakup, I spoke about Allison and his stalker girls. It's been a long time since then. Sam and I occasionally speak, and I'd say we are on good terms. He's in a band and I'm studying still. At the time, I didn't realize the severity of her actions. The fact she had gone onto the computer base at my library and searched for my address didn't pass my mind until many years later. It still sends shivers down my spine. What would she have been actually capable of doing, I'll never know. I truly hope no one finds out. I tried finding her online out of curiosity to no avail. If she was capable of that amount of calculation at 16 years old, I wondered what she was capable of now. I hope this serves as a word of warning to parents to look out for their kids. I know this story may not be as severe as many in the subreddit, but I thought I'd share this tale. So I'm not sure how many people know what FetLife is, but basically it's a fetish BDSM social media site. Facebook for those into kink, basically. 
It was used a lot for hookups, dating, etc. I was primarily into it to read some short erotica that was posted in the forum sometimes, and finding more like-minded friends, but I did eventually branch out and meet some people off of there. Most of them were really cool, others not so much. They were just kind of boring. All in all, it was pretty okay. But after talking to one guy and meeting up with him only once, I got really bad vibes and decided to not go any further. He just creeped me out for some reason. He was not ready to give up. Things went quiet for a while, and then two weeks later I kept getting harassing messages from blank accounts that I am assuming were all his, as they were all different variations of the same screen name, but words and letters arranged in a different order. They were pretty harmless things like, why don't you love me? I thought we had something special. Hello, please talk to me. Things of that nature. Annoying, but not dangerous. Well, one day he shows up to my work. He didn't know where that was. Now, I did work at McDonald's, so it wasn't that weird, and luckily I work in the back at the drive-thru. I only saw him out of the corner of my eye when I went out to grab the cups, and I didn't think he recognized me. I had shaved my head. It was trendy at the time, and when I met him, I had a wig on. I never told him I had a shaved head either. He called out my name, though. I rushed back and told my manager, and he got asked to leave. I never saw or heard from him for two weeks. I get another message from a totally new, unnamed account, but this one was much more sinister. I knew it was him. It had to be. When I had only known him online, I had sent him videos and pictures. Stupid, I know. When he found out that I was dating someone new, I knew this person in real life, but we both had a fet life, so we added our relationship online. He got angry and threatened to expose me. And he didn't just know where I worked anymore. He knew where I went to school, the names of my mother and sister. They knew where they worked. He knew what stores I shopped at, which friend I hung out with the most. He didn't know her name, but he gave me really detailed descriptions of how she looked. He knew where I lived. Luckily, nothing happened, and I moved soon after that, and I never heard from him again. But needless to say, I was very spooked, and it scared me away from online dating for good. I made a police report, so maybe that scared him away. But to my FetLife stalker, please let's not meet ever again. I met a guy online back in August of last year. We immediately hit it off. I was reluctant to get into a relationship, though, as I had been cheated on a few months prior and lied through that entire relationship. Catching feelings for anyone again scared the hell out of me. But this guy was so sweet and nice that I just trusted him and was willing to risk it for him. Skip to mid-September. We had both admitted feelings for each other a while before this, but he was reluctant to ask me out. I wasn't sure why, but I figured he was just waiting for the right moment. Which he was, because he slipped that his birthday was coming up and I pointed out how come he's turning 19 and still in high school. Then he said that he isn't 18, he's 17 and turning 18 in a few days. This pissed me off because although we've never been sexual, I'm 18 and I do not like being lied to. We both met in a place that's only for 18 plus people. He pointed out that I never directly asked him his age. I just assumed because of where we met. Despite this, when he turned 18 and asked me out, I said yes. We lasted less than a month. He would start fights every single day over the dumbest shit. If I took over 10 minutes to reply, he would get pissed at me 
and told me I need to tell him when I was going to go do stuff so he wasn't waiting for my message. He got mad that I've been in relationships before him, despite none of them turning out good, etc. So I broke up with him. I thought maybe in the future things would stop, because this is his first relationship and he was just inexperienced. I told him multiple times, calmly, that things need to change, and once the fight stopped, we can try again. But they never stopped, for more than a few days. One time he lied to me, saying some girl had been flirting with him, and asked if he was single or taken, just so I'd confirm our relationship, which I didn't. Because we weren't dating anymore, and he got mad. I pointed out it was obviously a lie, but he insisted it happened. Only later that evening did he admit it was a lie. Eventually, I shut off my Snapchat map, because I didn't want him knowing where specifically I lived, and he got mad that I didn't trust him. One of my best in-real-life friends messaged me asking why he was requesting to follow her. I checked his Instagram and he had started following everyone who was following me. I told him to unfollow them, because he doesn't even know any of them. And it's kind of weird. He got mad, but he did unfollow them. Two weeks ago, I woke up one morning and he told me we needed to talk. He asked me why I've been lying to him, why I've been hiding things behind his back. I asked him what he was talking about because I never lied to him, nor hid anything from him. He said he's been messaging all my friends on Instagram, asking for information about me, who I've dated, what I've been doing, etc. He asked me why I've been FaceTiming people behind his back, not telling him everything about my past relationships. I don't know if I was more shocked by the fact that he did this, or the fact that these people were actually giving him info about me. I never did anything behind his back, though. The only person I had ever FaceTimed, FaceTimed me first, randomly, and for 30 minutes just to play 8-ball on iMessage. He even mentioned talking to people who I haven't talked to in months. He also made alternate accounts, befriending people from my past, voice chatting with them, playing games with them, all just to get info from them about me once they opened up. Anyways, he even mentioned that my ex had messaged me which I never told anyone, so I have no idea how he found that out. My Snapchat kept logging me out, so I think he hacked into my Snapchat to read my convos with people also. He found my old Reddit and went back two years of comment history to get mad at stuff I've said in the past. When I asked him how he found out about my one ex contacting me, he said, you don't deserve to know, before proceeding to block me on everything. The day after he emailed me saying that there's nothing left to say, we're just acquaintances now, etc., etc., I told him, nah, we aren't even acquaintances anymore. He's just some crazy dude I dated, and it's his loss in the end because he caused this by doing detective work, as he liked to put it. He said he did all this because he was curious, not that he didn't trust me, and he found lots of stuff he didn't want to. I guess about my past relationships, because that's all he really ever mentioned. His little tangent went on for quite a while, saying he's my loss and he could have made me happy and blah blah blah. I told him he never could have made me happy. His money, which wasn't much, maybe, but not him as a person. I'm sure there's a lot of examples I'm missing out on saying, but in the end I blocked him, and I hope to never see or hear from him again. But I fear after all he's done that he'll pull some shit from that you show.
So I was living with my grandparents at the time, and they lived in a far-out residential area of town at the end of a road that then leads into farming areas. They were in a townhouse complex, and fortunately, right at the front, which meant it was a one-minute walk out of the complex to the bus stop right across the street. My stop was the very last stop on the route. One day I was waiting at the bus stop that's right near the trendy downtown area of my city, but a little out of the way. It's a relatively small city and doesn't have the greatest bus system. There were only two buses that stopped at this particular stop. The one to my place and the one into the next town over. This was its last stop before hitting the freeway. The stop is also right next to the restaurant where my then fiancé, now husband, worked as a manager. I was sitting there texting my fiancé as he was just starting to close up. It was around 4 p.m., but it was a lunch joint, and a kind of sketchy, dirty-looking guy comes up and sits down on the bench. There was plenty of room, so it was no big deal. After a moment, he starts to make conversation. This was around two years ago, so I don't remember exactly what he was saying. But I asked if he was taking the bus into nearby city, and he says yes, he lived there. The whole time he was there, he was almost comically manspreading, with one leg up on the bench, proudly displaying his crotch. I ignored this, and politely responded to him when necessary while texting my fiancé. My bus arrives. Creepy guy gets on. This is not the bus to nearby town. I'm a little weirded out at this point, and mention it to my fiancé in my texts. I was sitting at the back of the bus, and he was sitting at the very front, but turned all the way around so he was facing me, staring at me. Oh, hell no. The bus goes through some residential areas, and then makes a brief stop at a little strip mall, and then it's just houses from there until the end. I'm texting my fiancé, and getting more and more creeped out as he does nothing but look at me when I'm not watching. We hit the strip mall, and he doesn't get off. Now I'm legit freaked out. There's nowhere else for him to go. I text my fiancé and tell him this, and he immediately calls me, says to act normal. He's coming to meet me at my bus stop. Don't get off anywhere else. Don't interact. My husband is now a security guard and going into policing, so he's taking the situation pretty seriously. I somewhat loudly respond, Okay, yeah, I'll see you there, babe. Creepy guy immediately turns around and faces front. Holy crap. I spend the next five minutes anxiously thinking of what I'll do if he isn't there when I get to my stop. I can't just go into my house if he gets off the bus. He'll know where I live. We come around the corner to the very last stop, and this guy still hasn't gotten off. He's very intentionally facing as far away from me as possible now. I get off the bus just as my fiancé pulls up, and this guy does not. This is the last stop, and the bus is now going on the reverse route. This guy was following me. My fiancé ended up walking me to my door, checking the house and making me lock everything up until my grandparent got home. I was pretty shaken to be honest. He went back to work to finish closing up but came back again later. All in all, I'm lucky to have a husband who took me so seriously, and I'm not sure what would have happened had I not gotten that call from him that he was coming. I live in a house that is huge and beautiful, but there's one problem. I'm often home alone and our house has giant windows. I'm a 23-year-old girl that's going to college nearby, and I live at home in order to afford school. 
My mom and stepdad have much more of a fun nightlife than I do, so they often go out of town. We live on a lake in a nice private lake neighborhood that's supposed to be monitored, but it often isn't due to lazy patrolmen. I have no self-defense because I'm so small. In a neighboring town, we have another house, and I used to live in it. We had bought it so that I could live close to my college, as it is three streets away from it. I had a stalker there that would leave gifts, footprints by my window, and letters. I knew who she was. She had been a classmate at my college that was not accepting that I had no interest in dating girls. I filed a police report, and we have been called a few times because she had been seen entering our backyard, even though we haven't been back to that house in a while. I definitely know that gut feeling when I'm being watched. I'm back at our main house due to that experience and have been there for a few months now. It's 40 minutes away from our other house, and it's extremely difficult to find. We live on a road impossible to find on GPS, and only my closest friends have been out here to visit. Two weeks ago, I called the cops. I had been home alone, sitting upstairs, and I saw a figure in our yard, and then heard doorknobs being rattled downstairs shortly after. After the cops showed up 45 minutes later from getting lost, they found no one and assumed it was someone attempting to break in. Whoever it was definitely saw me, because our windows are huge and located everywhere, and I sat right beside three windows that are 15 feet by 13 feet. This house was custom-built for my mom and stepdad. We have giant windows everywhere, including all of the bedrooms. Some of our windows are so big because they previously had belonged to an old church at 17 feet high. Even my mom has four large windows that luckily fit blinds, but most of our windows are too large for blinds or curtains. Basically, everyone can see into our house, whether they're in our front yard, backyard, in their boat, etc. It doesn't matter. They can definitely see into a big portion of the house, and the house itself is huge. There are eight doors that I constantly check to make sure that they are locked. I have two dogs, one of them being an English bulldog. A week ago, I got home and found a framed art print of a bulldog with saran wrapped wrapped around it. There was no note and no context to it, so we have no idea who left it. I'm an artist, and I often share pictures of my bulldog, so I feel it's aimed towards me. We asked all our friends, family, and even neighbors. Nobody knows who'd left it. Tonight I finished some assignments and immediately laid down in bed. After about 20 minutes, I heard knocks on my window. My dog was in the hallway and started barking as soon as it happened. After laying down for 10 minutes frozen in fear, I got up to try and see if there was something, or someone, out there lurking in the dark. There wasn't from what I could tell. This all happened tonight, and I'm still laying here scared. The cops take so long to get out here and would probably get lost again, and my anxiety is so high, I guess from my past experiences. I've called my older brother and messaged friends to let them know what's going on. All eight doors are locked. I triple-check them. I honestly don't know why I wrote this out. It sounds silly writing it, but the feeling of being watched is so, so, so scary. Hi there. I've been a long-time lurker and found stories somewhat similar to what has happened to me. I live in Massachusetts in a populated city, so I mostly rely on public transportation to get places. This included the subway, and living here nearly all my life, 
I have many stories regarding the subway, such as a guy sitting next to me and touching himself, a woman punching me in the face, and the story I'm going to tell today. Me and most of my friends would rely on public transportation to get ourselves to school. This happened in our sophomore year. Our high school was placed smack dab in the middle of the city and around some colleges. I had a friend who would go home with me every day, and we both used the subway. Living in a populated area, I was aware of the potential creeps and dangerous people. It was around 5 p.m. during the winter, and it was quickly getting dark. After our club was finished, me and my friend began our journey to the subway station. This included walking through a college campus and many streets. It was usually less than a 15-minute walk to the station, so we would just talk and mind our business, things surrounding us. Halfway through our walk, I had a feeling that someone was behind us, which wasn't surprising since it could have been other students, and this was a heavily populated place. Me and my friend were slow walkers, so I was basically waiting for this person to pass us like others would. Although I waited for a long time and still felt this person on our tail. When we got to a crosswalk, they were still behind us. So quickly and slightly, I turned around to take a peek at them. My heart started beating faster when I glanced at them. At first, I thought they were wearing a ski mask, but I was mistaken. They wore a black beanie and a black scarf tightly wrapped around their mouth and nose. He was about 50 years old, or older, and had a dark green windbreaker on, along with baggy black pants. What irked me a little bit was how close he was to me and my friend now. He was just less than five feet away, and I was terrified that I was going to accidentally smack him with my Jansport backpack, which I've always had stuffed with textbooks and whatnot. Me and my friend crossed the road, and as we continued to walk, I became more and more wary. He was a lot closer now than before the walk, and he wore heavy Timberland boots that would crush and pound against the salt on the snow. As a girl, I've always felt insecure about my body, and I was just terrified for me and my friend, since all this man could see is the back of both of us, most likely eyeing our bodies. No, both of us were 14 years old and super passive, so confronting this person was the last thing I wanted to do. I saw that my friend would glance at her phone every now and then and go on it to respond to texts, so I ended up texting her. Man behind us. Creepy, it's been ten minutes. She replies, I noticed. I don't know what to do. Since we were on a college campus, there were often large tours given by people in crowds of tourists. We began walking at a faster pace, and I heard his footsteps quicken as well. I leaned in and whispered to her to walk through the crowd and take an immediate right on a different path that we'd never take to the station. It just led to a different gate exiting the college, and outside of the gate, we'd be about 50 feet away from the subway station. So we did exactly that, and walked through a crowd of 40 to 50 tourists by a popular statue. Afterwards, we were speed walking by this point, and I looked behind me to check whether he was still behind us, and luckily he wasn't. We proceeded to walk down the stairs towards the station, still shaken by what happened. We paid to get through the gates, and then we got on the platform of the train that would take us home. There was a certain exit I liked to take at the station. I would get off to go home, so we walked further towards the left side of the platform with more benches. We found an empty bench 
somehow amidst the large crowd at the platform. It was Friday, after all, and almost 6 p.m. I sat on the right, and my friend sat on the left. Not even 30 seconds after we sat down, I felt a presence standing right next to me at the bench. It was him. I saw the Tims. Not only that, he was just facing me, heavily breathing and most likely staring down entirely, as I saw his shoes pointed at me and baggy black pants stuffed within his boots. I was terrified and nudged my friend as she was on her phone. She was still holding her phone but froze and didn't continue to click on anything. Just as we were frozen in our trance, the announcement started to play, stating that the train was arriving. We both shot up, and as the train began to come and I took her arm, proceeding to lead her to the right side of the platform and through the crowd, we stood in front of the doors of a train cart, along with many others. I looked to my right, and there he was, in front of another train door to our right. Each train cart came with three pairs of doors that would automatically open and close. We chose the middle door and I thought it was odd that he was at the right door instead of following us in. Then I thought that he would probably isolate himself and follow us off the train cart at our stop. I looked up at the train board to see that another train was going to come in two minutes, and as the train doors opened, people began to spill out. We waited for everyone to shuffle out, and the group at his door had already shuffled out, so he was in the cart already. I still held my friend's arm, and I made us go into the cart last, standing in front of the doors. There were less people on the train, but all of the seats were taken, and there were one to two left empty per row. I could see him on the right side of the cart, staring at us as he stood by a metal pole. The train would make a warning noise that would be about three beeps. This indicated that the doors would close. These beeps were half-seconds, at the first beep, I instantly yanked me and my friend out of the cart and back on the platform. The doors quickly closed and I sighed in relief. The train started moving within five seconds. But within those five seconds, horrifyingly enough, the man sprinted up to the closed doors, which had two transparent windows, and stared down me and my friend. We backed up immediately. He still had the beanie and the scarf on, but all I could see were his menacing eyes. Then he proceeded to bang on the glass, making us both jump, but it was shortly cut off as the train cart was pulling away. Still looking at him banging on the glass, as the train moved into the tunnel, my friend fell to the floor and started crying. There weren't many people on the platform, since everyone boarded the train. I began to console her, and tear up as well. We were both pretty young and oblivious to everything. I helped her up, and we got on the next train and sat down, blankly staring out of the windows across from us, which showed the dark subway tunnels in motion. Afterwards, we were near our homes and parted ways. We never told anyone about this, although we should have thinking back to it all. I met up with the same friend a couple days ago, and we were reminded of this event. Overall, I'm glad that we were both safe and out of harm's way in that moment but I just felt so stupid knowing that I could have gotten someone's attention since we were near big crowds or possibly a security guard. So man who followed me and my friend from our high school to the subway platform, let's not meet again. Hey everyone. So, I'm a guy from the UK 
I live in a town in Wales, albeit not the little villages most people imagine. My town is a popular holiday destination along the coast of Wales. This isn't overly relevant to the story, but I just thought I would give everyone some context. I did actually post this on a separate Reddit account several years ago in a different subreddit. However, I highly exaggerated it for the sake of story, and this was a creative writing subreddit, I believe. I can't fully remember, I just remember the story I told wasn't totally honest. So if you think you've heard something similar before, then you probably have. This is the full truth of what happened, and is likely way less exciting than the original story, but oh well. So it started when I was around 15 years old, so about 8 years ago. I was dating a girl from about two towns over. I would usually get the train to hers and back, however, this one night her family weren't supposed to be home, and we were kind of being watched by her brother, who was about 19-20 and was pretty chill. The plan was to stay the night. We were up late playing on the Wii, but her parents unexpectedly came home. I never got along with her mother, and the whole thing got kind of heated, and I was kicked out of the house and told I couldn't stay over. It was about 2am, and I didn't want to call my own parents and worry of waking them up. My mother is a very strict woman. So I began the long trudge home. It was roughly about an hour and a quarter worth of walking, so I was expecting to be home by from around half four. So I walked along the weird concrete bit just above the beach, not sure what it's called, and I stopped after about half an hour of walking, as there's a public toilet which is kind of run down, but also open 24 hours and I was desperate. I was expecting it to be empty, or just have a homeless dude sleeping in it, but I was wrong. There was a guy using the urinal. This guy looked to be in his mid to late 50s, maybe. A little on the overweight side, but not extremely. He had grey, messy-ish hair, but other than that, he looked pretty normal. He definitely didn't look homeless. I remember he made a quick joke about something, I don't remember what. I politely laughed, did my business, and left. After about another 15 minutes of walking, the weather had gotten pretty bad, started to rain heavy, and the wind was picking up. I seem to remember this was around November time, so it was pretty cold. Anyway, so I'm walking and a car drives by, beeps and pulls over just in front of me. I had assumed it was someone I know, but couldn't think who. Got to the car and the dude from the toilet was inside. He asked me where I was headed and I told him. He said that was a long walk and I couldn't be expected to walk all that way in this weather, and he offered me a lift. In hindsight, I probably should have refused, but the weather was bad, and at the time he wasn't giving off any weird vibes. The drive took about 15 minutes, I think, maybe 20. The more I was in the car with him, the more I started to get vibes that there was something off about this guy. He was telling me his best friend was a 14-year-old lad who stays over at his place a lot and they drink together. And if I ever wanted to join, I was welcome to. He was asking me some really invasive questions as well. I don't fully remember what they were. I just remember it's not the kind of questions you ask to someone that you're giving a simple lift home to. Anyways, we got to the street around the corner from my place, and I asked him to just drop me off there. I told him my house wasn't accessible by road and that I would walk the rest of the way. He gave me his number and told me to ring him when I got back to my house safely, as he wanted to make sure I got home okay. I asked him what his name was, as at this point he knew my full name, 
and he just said Pete. I said, Pete what? My phone wants a surname. He wouldn't tell me. Just kept saying, just call me Pete. I later found out that Pete was a fake name too. Anyway, I got into my house and text him, just to let him know I was home safe. Probably a bad decision, but back then I was full of bad decisions, to be honest. The next day came and I was expecting everything to go back to normal. It didn't, because I stupidly gave Pete my number when I text him. Started to get texts from him every morning, basically just saying good morning to me and wishing me well. I replied to the first few and then started ignoring them. He then started trying to ring me. Every. Single. Evening. I would ignore most of his calls, but he would often repeatedly ring until I answer. He was sending me these texts inviting me over to his house for some drinks. He kept telling me he'd just gotten himself a pool table and wanted me to come play with him. He was telling me a story of a friend he was playing pool with, the 14-year-old I was talking about, and accidentally let slip that the guy called him John. I collared him about this. I said, I thought your name was Pete. He said, oh no, my friend's name is John. I said, you just said your friend called you John, and you told me your friend was called Tom? He said, oh, well, some people call me John. It's like a nickname, but his name is John too. He hesitated saying this, and I kind of clicked that he was telling me a bunch of lies. I kept refusing, but he kept asking. After a while, my mom wanted to know who this dude who kept texting me and ringing me was. I told her, and she rang him himself from her phone, and told him that if he carried on texting and ringing me, she would be calling the police. I didn't get any more texts from him after that, but it didn't end there. I had a routine, you see, and he knew it. I always walked my dog at half four every afternoon and played with her for 40 minutes on the field at the end of my street, just near where he had dropped me off. I started to notice his car pulling up there within five minutes of me getting there with my dog. He had tinted windows, but I would always notice the car lights were always left on, and the engine was always running. Also, I recognized his car. I would occasionally notice the car door open and a large flash from that direction as if someone was taking pictures. I started changing the time I walked my dog, but he would eventually figure it out and start showing up either earlier or late to coincide with when I was walking her. This went on for months, and I never mentioned it to anyone, but one day it just stopped. He stopped pulling up at the side of the field. I never saw his car anymore. Not text messages or phone calls from him. It all just stopped. I ended up getting a new phone after about a year and had that for another two years. I dug out my old phone when I was around 18 or 19 after the aforementioned dog died. I had some old pictures and videos of her on that phone and wanted to transfer them over to my PC so that I always had them. I turned on a phone which had been turned off for several years and still had the old SIM in it. That's when I got my final message from Pete. It was an odd one, and was about 14 months old. It said something along the lines of, Hi, I know we haven't spoken in a while, but I just thought you should know that over New Year's, I was diagnosed with an illness, and I have been told I don't have long left to live. You were a good friend in the short time we knew each other. I live at, he sent me his address, and would really appreciate it if you would come around just so I can have a last chat with you. I've got some beers in, and if it gets too late, you can stay the night. Just drop me a phone call when you want to come around so that I can get everything ready for you. 
See you soon. No idea if Pete, John, was genuinely ill or just trying to lure me to his house, never being to the address he sent me and never responded to him or heard from him since. I didn't reply to him, and that was the last I heard from the guy. So yeah, that's the story. Not tremendously exciting, but kind of had a big impact on me during those years. Hope you all enjoyed.